Hi everyone and welcome to this episode of In My Own Words, a professional speakers of Southern Africa podcast recording. And on this episode, I have with me Verity Price. I'm so excited to have Verity because she is also a fellow sister from Zimbabwe. Her origins are from Zimbabwe. And um, she has had an incredible journey um, winning the, the Global Toastmasters Championship. And so I am so excited to have Verity on here to inspire us and to tell us her story in her own words. Welcome, Verity. Thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to be here. Absolutely. And I would first up, we would like to hear your story in your own words. Who is Verity Price? Oh, so it's a long story, but I'll give you the short version. But maybe I should start that, yes, I'm from Zimbabwe originally. That's where I was born. So Africa is definitely in my blood. We moved to South Africa when I was five and uh, quite tough times moving countries. I went to a very creative school. I was at a Waldorf school. So my parents instilled this love of creativity and self-expression. And so I grew up with that desire to express myself and be seen and be heard. And I had big dreams of going to Hollywood and winning Oscars and 12, 13 years old. That's probably not a good dream to share with other girls because they're not mad about, you know, people having big aspirations. I discovered I got the lead in the school play and suddenly I was not the toast of the town. And I made a decision at about 14 when I went through quite a bit of bullying that it's safer not to be heard and it's safer to keep your voice and your truth inside and sit at the back of the room and not put your hand up and not, not take the stage. And so I walked away from any life in lights at that point. And I was very happy with that choice. I went to university of Cape town. I studied psychology and anthropology. I thought I'm going to see if I can help other people deal with the insecurities that we go through. And it was while I was at university, I started songwriting mm. out of nowhere. These songs kept coming, these things that I wanted to say. And I was like, someone's going to have to say it or sing it. And it took, it took seven years to find the courage from writing my first song to actually getting on stage. So I know when people say they struggle with fear of, of being in front of people, it's real. Mm. But my dad passing away was one of the catalysts that made me go, life is short. And I don't want to get to the end of my life with a whole list of regrets. So I got the courage to get out there, start working with a singing coach who built my confidence and slowly putting one foot in front of the other. The, the irony is I didn't become a famous pop star, which is what I was trying to do, but I ended up crowdfunding my first album, which led to a life of speaking because everyone was like, come tell us about how we can think differently and how we can disrupt things in our industries. And I'd say, great, can I bring my band? And they'd say, no, we just want to hear about the, the thinking. And so for the last 10 years, I've been speaking professionally about how people can change their thinking so they can change their results and discovered that my biggest fear has become my biggest strength and my biggest love. And this year it all reached its, I think it's pinnacle when I became the world champion of public speaking and would never have believed that was possible as a traumatized teenager. So that's my story. <laughs> wow. Wow. And such a powerful story it is because I think 
school really forms our characters. It makes us make decisions based on the situations we're in at that moment. And life then starts guiding us in different pathways. And this is just a true example of how life brought you back into the limelight in a space where you knew yourself better and you were stronger at being where you were and you had the tools to be able to, to deliver. So congratulations oh. once again on your win. Thank you. How, how did you firstly decide to enter and what was your mind frame going through this process? I've entered before. It's a huge contest. It's been going for 80 years, about mm. 35,000 people enter every year. So I entered the first time in 2012 as a new Toastmaster and my sister actually beat me at the club level and she went all the way to the world semifinals where she came second. So I got to watch how grueling the journey is and how hard you can work on a seven minute speech. Mm-hmm. And then I entered again in 2015 and I was quite excited with the speech that I had. And I got as far as the, what we call division or the provincial level I came third and I actually turned that talk into a keynote it's one of my main workshops and keynotes that I've been doing since then called activate optimism lead with optimism mm-hmm. and then I hadn't didn't have anything to say after that you know it's a very technical contest and if you don't have the right story and the right message and the right speech it's like I just didn't bother entering And last year, November so this time last year I wrote a speech uh, for Toastmasters about the lesson my mom taught me to leave the world better than I found it. And after I delivered it at club, I went, hmm, this, this speech, this has got what it takes to go all the way. And I really had a voice that said, Verity, I think you're going to win. And it was quite weird because I was like, what do you mean I'm going to win? But I thought if I don't listen to that possibility, to that flicker, that glimmer of a dream and just put my name in the hat, sign up and go for it. I'll never know what could happen. So I entered with the mind frame that I wanted to be the world champion of public speaking. And it was quite something to even own that desire and believe that it was even vaguely possible because no one from Africa has ever won. And up until now, only five women have had ever won. But I really did. I entered with the mind frame of... I think I've got a speech that the world needs to hear. And I didn't even, you need a second speech if you make the final. So I only had the speech that I thought could get me to the finals. But I I really had this belief that it was a message for the world and I was going to do everything I could to give the best speech I could. Mm, Wow, incredible. Now, looking at your business as you've built it, your business is centered around imparting the knowledge and the experience to other people and being able to give them practical ways of being able to achieve their goals or change their mind frame. Is that correct? Yeah, pretty, pretty good. (laughs) So looking at this specific niche, how did you start building your business and how did you move yourself from just motivating people to actually making it a business that can cover the bills? It was very organic, to be honest. It wasn't, I didn't step into speaking and facilitating thinking that was going to be my career. I was still trying to sing at that point. Mm-hmm. But the the things that, so the organic process was I started speaking and I spoke for free, which I think many speakers will tell you is where it starts. And I, I would speak anywhere that people wanted to hear about my album and how I was crowdfunding it. And that 
led to a few small paying engagements. So I followed, I followed the crumbs that life was throwing me. And then I got accredited in Edward de Bono's Six Thinking Hacks because I had used his methodology to come up with the crowdfunding idea. And through that, I started facilitating, but for an external training company, mm -hmm. because I didn't know how to sell myself into a big company or go deal with an HR department. So I started working with people that were further ahead on the road of me and kind of caught up with a little bit of their, their shade and followed that and said, you know, where do you need me? Where can you put me? And that's how I built the, the ability. So I think that's probably always a good place to start is where is someone doing what I want to do already and can I be a small part of it and can I learn and grow and be mentored mm -hmm. and slowly through that I gained my confidence as a facilitator and then I started meeting people and I got better at telling them what I did and talking about what's happening in your team what are your frustrations and we would have great conversations and they'd say oh can can you come do something with us mm -hmm. and so it was a very organic process but I found that when I stopped telling people what I did and I spoke literally the Simon Sinek, the why, why I was passionate about teams and helping people think differently and what happens when we look at our obstacles in new and fresh ways and that we all have the ability to innovate. People were like, yes, I want that. And that was how my business built. So it's been very organic. It's been through relationships and connecting and staying connected with people through my database, through my newsletters, making sure I'm always adding value that people can go and use without having to necessarily pay me for it. And then I find the money follows. Oh, okay. And what would you say would be maybe three of the most valuable lessons you've learned and then three of the most hardest lessons you've learned? Oh, gosh, those have all got me stumped. I'm just trying to think. I think I'll start maybe with the hardest, some of the hardest lessons I've learned have been around not promoting yourself enough. I think often as speakers, being our own brand and putting ourselves out there is, is very difficult. So that's a lesson I've taken quite a long time to learn. People will say to me, oh, I see you on LinkedIn, you're doing all this stuff, but I've had to teach myself how to be a little bit more visible. Mm -hmm. And the, the hard way you learn that is if the bookings aren't coming in and when you phone someone and they haven't heard of you, well, did you not put in a bit of work to make sure that they did know who you were? So that, that's been a hard lesson. Another hard lesson is that personally, I've never received work through a speaker's agent. I'm represented by speaker's agents, but I've had to be my own agent. And I think I thought when I got representation with, I mean, there's great agents out there, but unless you're a massive celebrity, it's quite hard to get those bookings. And that was, that was a hard lesson because I thought, I thought there would be something that happened there, but it didn't. And mm -hmm. it again made me be more self-reliant. And I can't think of another hard lesson. So I'll let that, I'll let that percolate. Um, but the, the big lessons for me have been around authenticity, mm -hmm. especially as a keynote speaker, but also when you facilitate, if you go in trying to be something you think they need and there's a part of you that isn't comfortable with that or you're teaching content that you're not fully in, people sniff it out. They feel it instantly. So I learned very early on when I started facilitating that I would just, if I was in a room of really clever people, I would mention that I got a D for standard grade maths. I thought I would rather let them know up front who I am, let them know I've never had a corporate job. And here I'm training corporate people how to think. But I, I noticed by owning who I am completely and not being embarrassed by it, that creates connection with an audience. So I think authenticity and owning it and being okay with 
if someone asks you a question and you go, I don't know the answer, that's all right. So that's been my big lesson is just own who you are, step up as that person with, with no apologies, with openness, with an ability to like bow and weave with what's coming at you and laugh at yourself. So that's maybe, yeah, that's a big one. And the, the second one is learning to be okay with things not being okay. As speakers, facilitators, things are always going wrong. And if we're not okay with them going wrong, it makes it very hard for our audience to, to deal with the space. And I, I once fell on my face in front of an audience. Robin Banks was actually introducing me, he was letting me speak to his audience when I was crowdfunding my album. And he gave me this amazing intro and everyone was clapping. There was about 600 people in the room. And I ran up on the stage and on the last step, I tripped. And I wow. sprawled in front of 600 people. I think that's everyone's, every speaker's worst nightmare. And I was just kind of looking. I had my little headset on. I was looking at a dirty piece of carpet. I could just hear. <gasps> and I just looked around at them. And I, I just saw all these horrified eyes. And I just said, you know what? I can only go up from here. Well, they laughed. I laughed. Dusted myself off. And I had such an amazing time with them. In fact, more than 50% of the people in the room bought my album at the end of the talk. So learning to be okay with things not being okay and just showing up 100% as myself, those have been the the biggest things I've had to learn and, you know, be with. Oh, wow. Such powerful stories. Such powerful stories. Now, looking at PSA essay, how has the association been part of your career growth? So we, this is a new relationship for me. I've been aware of the association for a very long time Mm -hmm. and life and busyness meant that I I didn't actually, I should have joined years ago to get the full value. I'm actually very aware of that after going to the conference at the beginning of this year and going, this is amazing, but I've been busy. You know, I was working, I was having a child, there was lockdown. So I joined the um, PSSA at the beginning of this year after speaking mm-hmm. at the conference and I'm slowly starting to find my feet. Mm-hmm. I've loved the sense of community and camaraderie. So I can see the value that's here, but I've still got to actually tap into it because I joined as I started the world championship journey. And so I was basically out of my life for six months. All I was doing was writing and delivering that speech. So I'm excited to to actually get more actively involved because I think it's like anything you you get in what you you get out what you put in, and I've still got a lot that I need to put in, and I know I'll get a lot out. Mm. And just looking at um, what you said about preparing for um, the contest, when it comes to professional speaking and the 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 space that we are in as professional speakers, how important is it for us to be prepared? I know a lot of people just think, well, just going on the stage and talking or going on the uh, on going to stage and, and facilitating. But then I think when you're in the professional capacity, you know that you need to understand your audience, you need to understand, you need to feel the room, but you also need to be prepared before hand so that if anything goes sideways you already had something put in place what has been your experience and what would you advise uh, professional speakers I think preparation is the highest compliment you can pay to an audience a friend of mine Francois Rootway says that and I have to agree Mm -hmm. when a speaker or a facilitator is prepared and they are respecting the audience's time the audience's interests the audience's needs that's what makes people connect to what you're saying and commit to the message that you're giving. 
to stand up there and wing it. And it's funny that you asked this because recently I was asked to speak at a school and I thought, you know what? They just wanted to play my winning video and tell the girls a few things about speaking. And I didn't have time to prepare, which is quite unusual for me, but I thought, wow, they're 16 years old. I'm going to wing it. It was an unpleasant experience for me. I got through it. We had a bit of fun, but I got off stage going, that was not my best. I did not give my best there. And even if I just spent 10 minutes like properly plotting where I was going to go with that presentation, mm-hmm. it would have felt so much better. So preparation is key. And I think working with mentors or mastermind groups where you can maybe run your content and get feedback from a coach or a mentor also helps because we can't see how we're landing. We can't experience that. If you film yourself, you can get a bit of a sense, but the only reason I won the world championships was because I got feedback from more than 200 people about my speeches. I worked with an international coach. My sister was also my coach. They were my two key coaches, but I got feedback from 200 people across five continents and said like, what's missing in my speech? What do you need? And I got my audience to to show me what the gaps were that I hadn't noticed that they needed. So that's where preparation is key and and why keynotes get better over time because we're working with an audience with them, we can see what works. But winging it, I I don't think it ever, I don't think it ever works unless you have literally been put on the spot and someone's asked you to say something and they're your professional strengths can come through but if it's a paid piece of work out of respect for the audience and respect for your craft preparation is key absolutely well thank you so much Verity, for joining me today and for just pouring into all the listeners and being able to to tap into your story and under and understand your processes and your journey what were the final words of wisdom or what are final words you want to share with people who are firstly trying to get into becoming a professional speaker or those who have been in the industry and just are are, are struggling to to find their feet or just need some sort of motivation to get back onto that passion wagon? Sure. I think for, for anyone who's trying to get in and start as a speaker, it's look for places to speak and speak. A lot of my career started speaking at business network breakfasts in the mornings. You know, they were free little 10 minute talks, but I was selling a product and I was learning my craft. So speak. And if you're saying I won't speak till I get paid, I think that could be quite a long game to play. So get out there and speak. If you've got a message that you want to share with the world, start sharing it. I've discovered the money followers. And then for for my fellow speakers that are already in the industry and are yeah, maybe just going, how do I get the mojo back? It is also a matter of speaking. And especially now in the virtual world, are there platforms where I can go and give a little snippet and build that interest in what I'm doing again, just to remember why you love what you're doing. But maybe my my final thing I'll leave you with is what I've taken away from this year with, with this contest journey was that I now consider a speech a gift. It's a gift that I give to an audience. Mm -hmm. And when you're giving a gift to the audience, there's a few things that need to be in place. Firstly, there needs to be some curiosity that you've created that they want to open the gift. And that can often start as early as the title of your speech. Like, oh, that's interesting. I'm leaning in. Then you want to create connection with your audience by sharing stories that they can understand, relate to, connect to. And that's why personal stories are so powerful. 
And by the time they've unwrapped your message with you, because your message is right in the middle, like that should come right towards the end of, of what you're sharing. You don't want that up front. You want the curiosity and the leaning in. That message should be something that they are committed to taking home. And so for me, the process that I now follow when I'm working on any piece of work is get clear on the message that I'm giving my audience, then intentionally structure the story around it that's going to make it curious and engaging and fun, then fill in the gaps that they need. So do some research, run your content past people that are different to you and see how you can strengthen the way you're delivering that story. And then always make sure you've tied it all together so that by the time you finish your keynote or your presentation, the audience is like, hell yeah, I'm taking this. I'm running with this. This is mine. So that's a little thing is look at everything you're going and going, have I positioned this and presented this as the gift that I want it to be. Because if you do that, people are going to love unwrapping it with you and they're going to take your message home and they're going to make it their own. Absolutely. If I could clap, I would clap. <laughs> Thank you so, so much um, for such a powerful message as well as in um, opening yourself up to us. And we're looking forward to following you on your journey. Can you just share with us how People can get hold of you or engage you on the platforms, website, um, any way they can um, get hold of you after listening to this. Awesome. Yeah. So my website is iamverity.com or verityprice.com. Takes you to the same place. And then online, Instagram, Facebook, at iamverity. Twitter is hello, at hello Verity. I have to remember all the different handles. And I'm obviously on LinkedIn, Verity Price. You can find me there. But I love to stay in touch with people. I try to share all my little tips and things I'm learning along the way and hopefully add value that way too. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much. You've heard it from Verity herself. Follow her on her platforms and engage with her. She is ready. She is willing. And uh, we are so proud to have her as part of the Professional Speakers of Southern Africa.